We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, as is the annual tradition. Let's make you better at DraftKings football. Let's win some money this season on DraftKings football. I mean, we're talking about tournament selection in a second, but playing the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League, it's rake-free, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. $75,000 worth of rake-free guaranteed money in the prize pool for week one. That link is down in the description right now. Smash the like. And if you want at least $500 in your pocket, at least to get into a draw for five, I can't just give everyone $500, but I'm giving away at least $500. And for every 100 new or existing updated reviews that we get for the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, I'll throw another $500 into the pot. So you could win 500. Someone else can win 500. If everyone gets on board to leave these audio reviews. So subscribe, rate, and review five stars to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Say something nice about the show. Leave your email or X handle gonna give it to you and then uh, i will give it to you if you are drawn out of the hat we get a hundred boom there's another five hundred dollars to someone else we get 200 boom there's another five hundred dollars to someone else also sub to mayo media network on youtube 
well, you're here as well. That's all we need to do. So please go update that. I'll be giving away the winner on Friday of the week two DraftKings show because we're going to do the DraftKings pick show every single Friday on Mayo Media Network, on the video feed, on the audio feed. And if you watch on Game Plus TV, God bless you, you can watch it up there as well. So joining me to break this all down from shipitnation.com. And look, if you use code Mayo at shipitnation.com, you're going to get yourself access to even more strategy guides, along with everything else that Ship It Nation provides. But Tambo's in studio, hoops on the line. We got a guy who went to the Fantasy Football World Championships on DraftKings. We got a guy who went to King of the Beach on DraftKings. We got a guy who won a million bucks right. on DraftKings. So please, how do I win a million bucks? <laughs> got to talk to that guy, Hoopster. I'm still trying to get there. I was at the last... Uh, what live finals at the Fantasy Golf World Championship around all these Millie Maker winners around Hoop Daily? I said, I feel like Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Like, ah, oh, where's your jacket, Shooter? And he just still <laughs> can't get it at the end. Try and get it this year, though, Pat. All right. Hoop, first time on the show. Uh, can I have some money? Because you have a million bucks. Yeah, I mean, big donation coming the uh, coming your way, that's for sure. Um, uh, Tambo, like, yeah, we're gonna get you that coat this year, man. Like that, that's the goal. You're gonna get that. You're gonna get that Millie Maker. I, I feel very good about that. You're getting your way to the top. Yeah, it was a good season last year. Uh, we're excited, obviously, for NFL start. It's crazy. I mean, you look at it. We're what seven, eight days away. My Lions facing the Chiefs. It's an exciting time. It doesn't seem like it should be that close, but yeah, you know, we're right here, and it's a uh, you know very exciting time. Uh, in this industry, you know, this is this is what we all live for. It's going to be fun. And uh, like you said, we're, we're excited for the product we have at Ship It Nation. So shipitnation.com, code Mayo, once again, you guys have done some tutorials on different things. Like we're going to hit on very general themes, including bankroll management, tournament selection, how to construct lineups, maybe single entry, three max, 20 max. And if you, God forbid, play in 150 lineups, what you should do in those scenarios. But you guys dive into it even more with like qualifiers, live finals, everything like that, right? Yeah, we did a course. We, we said, you know, if we're going to talk about it, we need to be about it. We recorded. We've made fun of this all along, but it was, it was going to be a thing. But Ship It Nation, education. So Hoop and I actually jumped on, recorded a course. It's got everything from... Everyone says, trust the process. No one even has one to start with. That's, that's the problem. So we're trying to make people better players. Our site is not just picks and plays. It's create your own process so you can make your own picks and plays and then win and not dupe 100 times with if Hoop and I win, you win or something like that. So roster construction, live finals and qualifiers where I actually break down my King of the Beach, my Fantasy Football World Championship. And then we added a showdown segment as well, which pairs really nicely with what you got going on, Pat, at Run the Sims because that's a tool you can use to then take these thoughts and put it to, to application. Yeah, Justin Freeman's going to be joining us a little bit later on. Well, joining me a little bit later on to describe the new tools at runthesims.com. If you're familiar with runthesims.com, you know, all the baseline stuff is still there, the best showdown generator there is. But now there's Sims on Sims. So whatever you think is going to happen in a game, you can adjust those scores and make your teams completely unique and then run 10,000 simulations, even against dummy teams in tournaments. If you are that skilled to be playing that many entries uh, to try to win all the money on DK, Run the Sims has all the tools for you. Code Mayo will get you 10% off. And I highly recommend that you go to the video version uh, of Justin and I's chat so he can show it up on the screen so you can visualize what the Run the Sims tools are for both daily fantasy, player props, betting, whatever it might be. It's just tools. No one's going to try to... It's not me being like, here are my picks. No, no, no. The, the, the computer's got you covered on that one. You hit on a key thing, though, Tambo. The process of what you want to do during a week. How do you make your selections? Can you just kind of explain that to me? Because I have none. Yeah, I think that's part of the key is going into the season, knowing what you're doing. So you talked about last year, like it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm very grateful and it takes a lot of luck to be able to get to these live finals and stuff. But part of my process starting the season is saying, okay, 
I'm going to attack these. Here's why. I like the payout structure of King of the Beach. I think it's very fair and balanced. It's a five max entry as opposed to some of these other live finals. Like when I was in New Orleans for the Fantasy Football World Championship, it's 10 max. More pros, all this stuff. It's tougher, but it's fun to get into and there's bigger prizes, sure. But I think a lot of people go into the season and they say, oh, I'm going to play 20 bucks this week. And that's fine. If it's entertainment value, sure. But I'm saying if you're planning and you're watching a show like this, I'm assuming you're pretty involved. You're going to be playing throughout the entire season. You should have a plan for what that looks like, what type of mindset you need to have going in, what type of strategy. You just mentioned it earlier. If it's going to be playing three max, 20 max, single entry, 150 max, whatever it might be, you need to sort of know what you're doing and set up for that when you're going in. So Hoop, this happened to me last year. I had a really good season on DraftKings, the best year I've ever had. And I've probably been playing DraftKings now since 2013, 2014, whatever the first year was. I started playing DraftKings. They were like, Pat, you should play DraftKings. I was like, sure, I'll waste my money playing on DraftKings. But now I'm getting like talking to you every single week is really helping. Using the tools that run the Sims is really helping. But who I won last year. I won like 20K last year. Now, obviously, you won more than that. How do you approach this season? Like, do I want to say, hey, I want to win 50K? Or do I just say, hey, I just want to win again? I don't want to lose $20,000, that kind of thing. Like, you want a million, or you're like, well, I need to win $2 million this year for it to be a good year. It can't work like that, can it? I hope it does. I really hope it works like that. <laughs> Always looking to improve, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you, when you have success on DraftKings, you obviously want to build on it. And, you know, the, the thing is, all the all the topics kind of come together. So you want to really say, okay, you know, if you made 20000 last year, if you're somebody that made 1000 last year, you know, how do I get that next step? How do I improve? How do I have a profitable season? The first step is you just want to have a profitable season. If you do well, you make money. That's the goal. If you're in this to do that, um, you know, how do you take a win and parlay it into something bigger? The one thing you don't want to do, obviously, is say, OK, I made twenty thousand dollars last year. I want to go ahead and put half of that in play week one because I'm feeling so confident about the research. Bankroll management always comes into play. You just don't want to overextend yourself right out of the gate. And that's something you can look at on a week-to-week basis. That's where I think a lot of people make huge mistakes. I've done it. We talked about it in the um, in the, in the course that uh, Tambo and myself did where, man, you get that win in a week. You get that big win. Let's say you're someone that plays for $100 a week. You get that $20,000 win or $10,000 win. You don't want to vary away from how much you typically play on a weekly basis because man it can go quick when you up your stakes so um you know as talking to somebody that won you know not only you but anyone out there that had a good season last year look to improve but be very cautious with uh you know the amount of money that you play for on a weekly basis you don't want to overextend yourself because it can go uh pretty quickly now you know we talk about the process we talk about you know a bunch of different things you need to determine what sort of player you're going to be. There are people that obviously, you know, wake up hung over Sunday morning and like, and I don't give a shit. I just want some action. Just I'm putting money down. I don't care. Here's what I do. Like Tambo said, people listening to this would have to assume are more in it as hardcore players, people that are looking to improve their game, people that are looking to be profitable long-term. You know, the one piece of advice I definitely would give to anyone that had a good season or a good week, don't overextend yourself that next week or that next season, look to refine some of your processes, look to, you know, improve your game, but you definitely just don't want to overextend yourself to to try to get that big hit right away. That happened to me the first time I won a lot of money. 
I think that we've talked yeah, about same. this before. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's funny because I talked about this with Rob Pozzola. We did a very similar style show to this, but for sports betting and betting on the NFL. Like what traps to avoid, how to manage your bankroll, when, like, should you ever press? And the answer is really no. But I remember it was the Kadira week. Uh, I woke up hungover on a they went out early in PGA, didn't even realize that. And I just all of a sudden 120K off a $5 entry. I think I was in for like 100 bucks that week. I was like, oh my God, like I'm good at DraftKings <laughs> yeah. golf now. And the next week I put like 3,000 bucks in play. And I think I returned $3, something like that. And it just, yeah. can, can you learn that lesson without just going through it yourself? Like we can talk about it to be like, hey, hey I won $10,000 this week. I think twice last year I won 10K sitting here with you and 15K sitting here with you. I didn't go out and play 5K the next week. I just kept it exactly the same because I know what happens. And even if you're feeling really good about a week going into the slate, like, yeah, maybe that's advantageous for you. Maybe you're good at predicting those things. But, like, both the weeks I won were weeks where I thought, like, I have no feel for this week. And I just end up winning. So, like, I I don't think that because I feel good or bad about a week – doesn't really seem to change my results or just kind of going to happen. Well, like you said too there, one thing for sure that I always lean on is like, again, people say trust the process. I, I often say trust the progress because for example, what if you don't have a goal, that's why I started with that. When you first asked me the question, I have certain goals on the season. People make fun of like a Millie maker. I put like an asterisk by it. Like that would be a fun, like I'm literally trying. So that is a goal of mine. It's just very hard to do. But the point is like, I do have the King of the beach as a goal. I do have the fantasy football world championship as a goal and all that stuff. So it's like, if I win 10 or 15 K but I had shots at all those other things and I just missed or something like I'm the progress is there. I'm having a good week, but why am I changing anything? What I did worked. It just didn't fully work. Like it didn't close out, but I put myself in the position to get lucky or to get those spots and then have those chances. Be grateful to get to those events again and be able to have my opportunities when I get there. For example, I want, if I want to win a Millie maker, great, but why not just win the fantasy football world championship where it's got 2.5 million to first. That's better than winning a million. It's like when I first started golf, Pat, I actually a crazy story about me. I broke 90 before I broke 100 because I would never cheat myself on the course. I had so many 101s, 102s, 103s, and then the one good day that I went out and shot an 88 was how it happened. And people were like, holy shit, but I've never cheated myself. just the way it worked. So if you have a goal and know what you want to do, when you get those little hits like your Kodai hit, you say like, that's awesome. I want a big hit. Now, you didn't need to put 3,000 down to win it. So why are you putting 3,000 down the next week? It's okay to treat yourself. Last point. But just go with that. You know, if you want to play a 333 next week when you usually play maximum to 100, then that's fine. Treat yourself, but you don't need to go out and spend it all. We'll get to tournament selection in a second, Hoop. But, I mean, we should probably state, like, what are we playing every single week? I think it's important for the viewers to know. And that might change. But generally speaking, like, I'm in between 300 and 500 bucks a week on NFL DraftKings. That's just where I've settled. I've played more than that. I've played less than that. But almost every single week, I try to find like a high dollar three max, like $150 or $200 three max or single entry, play that. And then we just kind of fuck around building lineups, throw those in like the $5 qualifiers. But I don't play cash games. I only play GPPs. Like, I'm not doing this as a professional to play DraftKings. I am professional talking about DraftKings. I want to have some fun. I want to win some money. Clearly, I don't want to lose. But I'm comfortable losing that amount. I don't think that I'm going to lose every single cent that I put in every single week. Eventually, I'm just through happenstance. I'm going to get lucky. But I also don't want to sit there and grind head-to-heads and cash games at the same time. Right. Who? who Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, it's very important to develop a game plan in terms of the contest you want to play. And you have to be willing to evolve as well. You can't just say, you know, someone that does this professionally, you can't just say, I'm doing these contests every single week, every single season. Now, there are some people that can. I mean, the, the people that are, you know, 150-ing and they have big teams of people working with them. Yeah, they can kind of stick. But 
as an individual player, you kind of have to evolve. Six years ago, five years ago, I was playing for six figures every single NFL weekend, mostly head-to-heads, 50-50s, three-mans, any action I could get, I was I was taking. And that worked out well for a while. Then you get to a point where, man, okay, maybe this isn't working out so well. I need to change. And then for like, this is my personal story. I evolved into more of a MME player, a, a 150 max type player. And this change took place, you know, probably in the last three seasons. But, um, you know, as a player or someone that plays either professionally or relatively seriously, you have to evaluate which contests you're entering on a, on a weekly basis. You see it all the time. People in this industry, they get to the top. They're the big dog. They're the main guy. Then they disappear out of nowhere. You're like, man, whatever happened to John123 on DraftKings? He was always at the top of contest. Now I don't see him. Well, you know, probably didn't take a step back and say, man, are these contests right for me? Should I be doing this on a daily basis? Do I need to change anything? It's very important to evolve. Don't just get stuck in your ways. Like be willing to change the sort of player that you are. And this might happen on a season to season basis, maybe, you know, one third way through the season. You're like, man, this isn't working out for me. We talk about it in PGA DFS all the time, myself and Tambo, like, man, maybe you're better at showdown. Don't focus so much on the classic slate, focus on the showdown. We hear it all the time in our discord, man, I just, I can't hit these classic slates, but I'm crushing the showdown slates. Well then just focus on the showdown slates. You don't have to be super heavy on the classic slates. If you're seeing more success in the showdown, if you're somebody that dabbles in uh, head to heads and 50 fifties, but also in GPPs and you're not getting the results in the GPPs, but you are having success in head to heads, 50 fifties, double ups, be willing to make that change and allocate more of your financial resources to head to heads, 50 fifties, double ups. It's very important to evolve as a player. Um, take a step back. I know it's hard to do. Take a step back and evaluate your game. Are you building lineups that are better for these sort of contests or these sort of contests? Um, I think it's very important for, for everyone playing, um, you know, as you go through the NFL season. How do you approach it? Yeah, similar. Actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something I've changed. Even in here talking to you during the golf shows and football shows last season, you know, last season, this season, bigger focus on, I used to always be the 150 max or MME everything. And I still do. I love to do that. But I've changed it a little bit. A couple things. One, like Hoop said, you know, use PGA as an example, but it works for NFL as well. Uh, NFL Showdown, which I'm sure we'll talk a little about or you'll talk with Justin later. But the point is, like, that game is so fun. And I had great success with it last season. But the thing was, it's kind of like if you, you either got it or you don't. I know back in the day, you used to be able to play 500 plus lineups on DraftKings. Now it's limited to 150 for good reason. But I'm saying sometimes I will just play 75 and I've got it. Other nights I'll say, honestly, I don't know what's going on with this game. I believe in these two sets. In my head, it goes this way. I'm very, you know, have conviction on it still. I go this way or this way. So I'll build 150 and go 75, 75. But on the main slates, Pat, more just talking through slates and learning about, you know, oh, I'm still learning as I go on, the game theory, the leverage, the correlation, what the rest of the field is doing. That really is better applied, I think, for at least for my brain, my bankroll, to play higher dollar, smaller fields. So what I've moved to, and, I, and this has worked well for me, is I've moved to a lot more, instead, let's say I'm playing five grand on NFL Sunday. Instead of playing three grand in the $20 millimaker being wasted right away on, yeah, there's a shot to win it, and I feel like I'm going in positive EV and good lineups and all this stuff, then there's only two grand left behind to attack this other stuff. Now I'm putting more of my bankroll towards like a higher dollar three max or something like that, where I can still play. Okay. This is like the good lineup with a GPP spin on. It's not just going to be all the highest owned cash plays going to leverage the field this way. 
And then I get my lineup that I just think, or you and I build in here. Sometimes I've done some golf where we're like, that's the, the Ryder Cup narrative team. And I'm like, that actually looks pretty good. And I'll play something like that because it still has a floor and a ceiling that I could see taking something down. But it's twofold, Pat, because not only do I think what I, my game, again, talking about creating your own process and trusting it, well, that's what I do. So now I know how to apply it. But then also, what happens when I get to these live finals and I only have one entry? Or if I'm at the King of the Beach and I have two or three, well, I've been focusing on one to three max. So now I have a better feel for how to attack what my overall goals are for the season two if or when I get there. So it works twofold. You mentioned Showdown. I'll be doing a show with Justin Freeman uh, in conjunction with the opening night Thursday Night Football Lions at Chiefs game. And if you go to runthesims.com right now, obviously Code Mayo gets you 10% off. But if you want to test out the Showdown simulator, if you just make a free account, sign up with an email, all of the tools for the first game of the season, the Showdown simulator, the simulations, the contest simulations, all completely free at runthesims.com until lock on Thursday for that showdown slate. So if you do want to give it a test drive, test out the tool, see if you like it or not, runthesims.com, that'll be free for Thursday night football to kick off the season. Hey, maybe you'll win a whole bunch of money and get a sub. Yeah. That'd be the way to do it. Yeah. Then go to chipitnation.com, code Mayo, and get yourself a sub as well. For me, I found, like, building lineups is a lot of fun. And I, it's not that I like to sit there and hand build 100 lineups, 150 lineups. I will use tools to do that for me. But I find it easier to do in golf than in football because there's, you know, everyone's the same position in golf. Everyone has, you know, the, here are the guys from the bottom that I can populate my lineup with. Here are the guys from the top. Here are the guys from the mid-tier. I can go stars and scrubs. I can go balance. I can go whatever. It's a bit different in football because I am looking for a bit more correlation with my lineups. And I've decided that... And I, we switched this before probably two, we started doing the show two years ago, you and I, yep. and about midway through the first year of doing it, I was like, I don't want to build 50 lineups. Hell, I don't even want to build 20 lineups for football. Like I'll build 10 as we're on the show as we kind of get a sense. And those are sort of like dummy lineups to throw in like the $5 or $3 just to get a sense of how I'm going to build. But I've had far more success. And you mentioned like, you know, you can spend $3,000 in the $20 millionaire maker. And if your budget is $5,000 for the week, we get $2,000 to play. I mean, that's a ton of money. Obviously it's four times what I'm playing on a weekly basis. But for you, I mean, you're giving up a lot of potential EV if you're just dumping it away in the Millie Maker. And I was doing that in, you know, five or I think there was a $10 20 max and a $5 150 or whatever it is. I just stopped playing all those. And I focus more on these stop being so greedy, essentially. Yeah. And I started doing a lot better. Like that 150 max, I'm looking at three of them right now for week one. And I always generally play the same one every single week. There's one with like 2,000 people, one with 1,500 people, and there's one with, like, 600 people. I just play the one with 600 people. Yeah. You can make mistakes in those tournaments. You don't need to be perfect. And you talk about, like, you want to be there at the end to get yourself into a position to get lucky. Well, that's how you're going to have to win a millionaire maker against, fuck, how many people is it? 100, a million people? Something the, the crazy? The $5 one is nuts. Yeah, the like $5 one, one with a million people in it? Like, you're yeah. not going to win that one. Well, yeah, that's yeah. The, that's a tough part. And I think honestly, if you're playing that one, I get my, I go back and forth with it. But I think you literally lock a quarterback. It's a million something people you have to beat. It's nuts. I think you just say I'm going on this guy and all. And I know it's not what everybody will do. It's not the exact advice. I'm just saying I honestly feel like that. If you just want to burn up seven hundred fifty dollars for a shot, 
give yourself as many outs as possible for if you get the situation right or pick two game stacks and do 75 lineups of a game stack of this, 75 lineups of a game stack of that and just throw it in. Hope you're right and go against the grain a little bit once you have all the tools and ownership and things that you can find to try and leverage up in a field that large. But Hoop, if you were trying to win money, what is the better solution to this? If you had $750 to play, most people are probably going to play the 150 like giving the option in that $5 with a million people to try to win a million dollars or you can play in the three max power sweep, 150. Just play one line of it. That is 4,444 people, 100K up top. That's still too many people that I want to play against. Then you have the other 150 with 1,800 people. The other 150, the one that I am playing in, with 740 people. Then you have a you know, 1,600 person, $100. You have a $100 555. Now, obviously, you're not going to win a million dollars if you win these, but 100K, 25K, 15K. I've realized so much more money in these tournaments, Hoop, for less money than trying to play that $5. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many arguments in favor of not playing the Millie Maker type contest and going to those other ones. I mean, I think the best example was the one that you kind of alluded to at, at first, where, man, it's like you, in, in order to win the Millie Maker stuff, you have to have everything right or do something crazy that no one else is doing. The week I won, I just overstacked the Lions and Seahawks game. No one else was, those guys were popular, but I just said, you know what? I'm playing six guys from that game. Most people kind of cap it. Tambo made the example of, you know, just going with one quarterback all in, get as many combinations as you can in order to, you know, essentially, you know, hit the ideal spot, um, you know, in this smaller field contest, like, okay, if you're going to build 150 teams and you're going to put them in these contests with 300,000 people or a million people, is, this, is that right? This $5 one has a million people in it? Yeah. Am I seeing 1.1, I think, or something. It's huge. 1.1 million. So, yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to have the stone cold, probably optimal team on, on DraftKings. Now, yeah. Now, you can build 150 script and not put in the Millie Maker. Okay, let's say you build 150 teams and you nail it this week. Like you got all the right guys. You got the right quarterbacks. You got the right running backs. You got the white, right wide receivers and tight ends. You can jam that into the Millie Maker and still lose money because you have to get all the way to the top. You can't get a 15th place finish in the Millie Maker and make money. Now, if you take that same script that you ran with 150 teams and you nail everyone and you still don't get to the top, you have a chance to make money because it's a more spread out um, payout structure. In these Millie Makers, you have to get your butt all the way up to the top of the leaderboard. It does not matter how spot on you are with your plays that week, how spot on you are with your 150 players, your script, all that. You have to get all the way up to the top to make any money. In those not Millie Maker contests, you can still make money by not getting up to the top, and that is uh, the big difference. I mean, these Millie Makers are just so, so top-heavy um, you have to have everything a hundred percent spot on, and then you have to get lucky as well. Like there's a huge element of luck, obviously, uh, involved. So the argument to not play in the Millie makers and focus on some of these other contests, it's very strong on so many, so many different levels. You know, I know a lot of people can compare the Millie makers to, to lotteries. Essentially it is. I mean, you, you got to hit everything, right. You got to have the right combinations. You got to have the right players got to run good. I mean, you just need absolutely everything in your favor to hit the million makers. If you're, you know, some people just don't give a shit. If you have a lot of money and you don't care, yeah, go for it. You might as well go for the top prize. But if you're somebody that's trying to make money week after week, season after season, depending on your bankroll, I mean, I'm assuming most people aren't firing $30,000 a week into NFL DFS. If you're in that range, 100 <laughs> range, $1,000 range, 
Like, yeah, look away from those things because, man, it's tough to consistently make money. The only way you're going to long-term make money on those things is to win it like I did last season. That honestly may have gotten me close to break even on Millie Makers because, man, those things are expensive. I did notice the moment I stopped doing that, that even my losing weeks were far more acceptable because I was able to recoup the money in one of the following weeks, somewhere along. Like if I, you lose two straight weeks in, when you're playing so few lineups and you can get wiped out during a week. It, it sucks sitting there being like, oh, you have $457 in play. You are winning $0. It sucks. But three weeks later, you 4X your money. You're like, all right. I'm treading water. My ecosystem is still fine. I don't need to redeposit because I've been bankroll managing a little bit, but. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If we're going to play $100 a week, let's say, what do you think the optimal way to play that is? If you're, you still want to have access to some of the larger prize pools, not necessarily a million dollars. Would it be play like a $50 single entry? Some of these like $10 three max that maybe the $9 slant. I don't know. Like what, what would you consider? Maybe not optimal, but if you had a hundred dollars, how would you play it? Yeah. Again, I think it always goes back to the same thing though. Like you have to factor in your goals. So if your goal is event, that's, I guess I just want to say one point on the previous thing that ties into this as well, because you have to alleviate yourself of the FOMO. Pat, that's what ends up happening where people are like, oh, but what if these lineups would have won the Millie this week? Well, they, did they? Did they ever win you the Millie yet? Probably not. And like Hoop said, if you have the bankroll for it, then I get going after it. Or if you're switching gears from Hoop, who's playing high six figures, or, or sorry, low, playing six figures in high stakes cash games and then dropping down to saying, okay, 3,000 in the Millie, that still feels acceptable when you don't have as much at play. And so, so be it. And he just attacks it that way. But he's been playing a long time at the highest level, very successful, and has the bankroll for it. For most people, though, they're like, oh, but what if it would have won the $5 Millie? and they could have put it in something else that would have given them more chances to win the money. So uh, one thing I will say, Pat, it's hard to gauge out. Like we can, we just talked about a lot of the contest selection. Say, okay, everything we just said applies to that. If you only have a hundred bucks, don't go play five $20 Millimaker teams unless your goal is just to say, I'm just going to blow a hundred bucks every week. I have this money for the season. Let's call it 1800 bucks, the 18 weeks. I'm going to play a hundred a week and I'm going to play it like this. I know people that do that, friends that just say, I'm throwing a few in. I'm making them, as you always say, like on the shitter, shitter, shitter builds, they throw them together. I've got other uh, people that I know in this DFS space and industry that still only play a hundred bucks a week, but they say I'm playing the hundred dollar single entry every week. Some weeks I'll just double my money and get a min cash. Other weeks I'll make a run at it, whatever. And weeks I lose. Oh, well, it's the same hundred bucks, but at least I had a shot. Maybe they throw 120 because they still throw it in because they can't alleviate themselves of that FOMO. Well, it should be 145 because you should be maxing out the Pat Mayo experience draft. That is open correct. Every single week. It's rake free money. But here's an example. Like, 
these would be the tournaments that I would probably be trying to go to if I was playing $100 a week hoop. I'm looking at the, there's a $15,000 screen pass that has a $15 entry. There's 1,100 people in that contest. There's another three max for $15 that has 5,800 people in it. I know old me would look at that and say, man, the $15 one that has you know almost 6,000 people in it, first prize is $10,000. I can win $10,000 playing that contest. And if I play the, the shitty little one with only 1100 you know, it's $1,500. But you're so much better playing the one that has 1,200 people in it over the one that yeah. has 6,000 people in it if you want to win money week after week, right? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I always say to people, because I always, I mean, this is a question that comes up a ton. Like, all right, I'm playing for X amount of money. How should I allocate those resources? And for the sake of this conversation, we're just kind of talking GPPs. Now, obviously, if you're someone that plays cash and GPPs, you're going to want to allocate some to the head-to-heads and 50-50s and then some to GPPs. Now, if you're just taking $100 and you're going on DraftKings, the one thing I always tell people, look for contests where you can come close to maxing it out. Okay. So, you know, if you're um, trying to, if you're looking at the Millie maker, the $20 Millie maker, and you only have a hundred dollars, you can only put five entries in there. There's people that are going to have 150 entries. Now I know the argument is always, Oh, well, someone has 150 uh, entries. Like they just can't lose. Well, yes. Like if you put 150 in, you can lose like very, very easily, but those people do have a built-in advantage because they just have more teams. They have more combinations. They have more outs. I always tell people, look for contests that you can come close to maxing out. Now, the easiest way to do that is obviously to look into single entry contests because everyone gets one opportunity. Um, So, you know, this is, I think, a pretty good example. If you have around $100, this is, I know, a little bit more than $100. So someone that wants to build multiple teams and get in some of these GPPs, now you can do these 20 max contests on DraftKings. It's $3. So you max that out, you're at 60 bucks. So you have 20 teams. Nobody else can have as many teams as you unless they're cheating and have multiple accounts or partnering up with people. But for the sake of this conversation, you can have the most number of teams in a contest, $60 you're in. And then there's a $4 20 max as well. So that puts you a little over the 100. If you wanted to max that out, $80. So you're in for, what is that math? $140 essentially. And you've maxed out two contests. Now they are larger field contests. Um, $50,000 for the, the $3 one is up top and then five grand for the, the $4, which is a much smaller, that $4 only has 14,000 people in it. So I always tell people you want to get close to maxing out the contest that you're entering. So in this example, you max out two contests. If you took the $140 for the Millie maker, let's say it's a $20 Millie maker, you only get seven shots at it. So um, that's one way to go about it for sure. And then, you know, three max stuff, I think is very valuable too. Like you, you get three teams. Um, there's a lot of three max contests. There's a lot of three max contests in different price points. There's a $5 I see right here, a $5 three max. I'm sure there's like a $10, $15. So, um, you know, the one piece of advice I always give to people, uh, MME people, people that want to build multiple teams is play the contest where you can at least come close to, to maxing it out opposed to putting five or six entries in something where a lot of the field is playing 150. We'll talk about tools more in depth and how to use them when Justin joins the show from runthesims.com. Code mail, by the way. But if you're not playing with tools in this day and age, now I know you still like to hand build your lineups, Tambo. You don't necessarily just hit, I mean, if you're building 150, you might optimize. But when you're, when you're making your qualifiers or you're playing in your higher stake stuff, you still like to hand build those out. 
but you're also using tools for the information at the same time, right? Yes, I am. And I talk about this all the time and in the course on shipmentation.com. But if you, I call this a virtual hand build. This is why I think people get confused on optimizers, but it goes to what you're asking. It's like, I still use an optimizer even when I'm building that. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm, here's maybe four or five guys or this correlation that I'm going to use to leverage this tournament. Because I think everyone's doing this. I want to do this. I have an idea. It's in my head. The optimizer helps me to put it out there. Now what I'll do is I'll just say, build me 20 teams with these four guys in it that I know is my correlation piece. And then I'll see what falls around. And I'll be like, damn, that team there looks pretty good. And it has those two other guys I like, and I know everyone's on him, so he's getting squeezed. Things that you and I talk about on our show, like this running back just can't get owned because everyone's doing this this week and there's only so many slots. It's like, okay. So then I'll find that, and then I use that to pick that team. So while it is like a hand build, it's a virtual hand build. You can build them the other way. You and I do it on the show all the time. Uh, thanks to DraftKings for making the 18 max tournament now, because I always just take the lineups. We typically make 15 to 18, throw them in that one. But I do think there's something to that where again, when you can start to see it in front of you, you get ideas that you maybe were in your head and were in the back of it. But when you're hand building, you can forget things or you're like, Oh, or you don't realize that this one dude would have made this work where it's a big upgrade in both your mind and on paper where there's a projection showing that. So if you don't have tools, still focus on correlation. Uh, one piece of advice, you and I have talked about this in the past, but I'll give it again in NFL because it is different than golf. You click six buttons. You get your six golfers. If they fit, you can play them. There's other things too. We've done strategy on that in the past. But for football, I always think of it like a parlay. So if you're hand building, if you just put nine players in there, whatever it is to say, I need all these guys to do well, I'm sure you can find guys that fit and, and can do well. But if you've got a quarterback, two pass catchers and someone on the other side running it back. You don't always need to, but just say that that's one. Basically, if this quarterback goes off with those guys, it's likely that guy is coming back the other way. There's one thing you need to happen. Maybe you're running back in your defense correlate. There's two things you need to happen. And the last thing we've talked about this plenty of times, we don't probably go into heavy today, but like a secondary stack of a running back with a tight end on the other team. So it's like a mini stack within another game and that fills out your lineup. You've built a three game parlay essentially now, as opposed to needing six to nine things to happen, depending on how much correlations in your other build with only, you know, just random nine guys that can do good. It costs a lot of money to get access to these tools hoop and whether it's strategy, whether it's tools, I mean, these things can start adding up over time. Like that's going to come out of your bankroll of what you're going to play every single week. And if someone's sitting here being like, well, I play 50 bucks a week. Why do I need any of these tools? I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe you can't afford that kind of thing if that's all you really want to play. But how big of a disadvantage do you think you are without even having access to look at what other people are doing? Got to. I mean, in this day and age, you have to have some sort of outside resources to to be successful at this game long term. And that's why at Ship It Nation, we've provided a product that is uh, very cheap and affordable for anyone out there looking for advice. So that's my little plug. I, I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm learning from Tambo and yourself, like on the marketing side of things. So I had to, you know, make sure I threw that little <laughs> thing in there. <laughs> but in all reality, yeah, I mean, you just need something. The competition is doing it. I mean, a lot of the stuff with the Sims, I mean, I'm still learning like what that's all about, you know, Tambo and myself have partnered uh, with with Justin over at Run the Sims. And some of the stuff is very cool. And I know you're going to be uh, doing more content uh, around that. Um, the showdown stuff is is game changing, it seems like, and relatively simple and easy to understand and use, which is, you know, what someone like myself needs. Uh, but you got to You got to have something. I mean, the competition is looking at a lot. The competition is using tools. 
Um, and if you want to be successful long term, week after week, season after season, you got to look into some of the stuff. There's just no way, uh, no way around it. And again, there are people out there and probably not the people listening to this show that are just like, hey, fuck it. Um, you know, I'm hung over Sunday morning. I just want to, you know, some action. I'm throwing in some teams. What do you guys call them? The, the shitter teams or on the shitter teams? I like that term. Um, a lot of people are like that out there. The, the shitter slash hungover guys. They don't give a fuck. They're just putting teams in and they just want to watch some football and drink some beers on Sunday. But most of the people listening to this sort of content um, are serious players. And in order to be a serious player and take it to the next level, you just have to have some outside resources, some content, some tools, um, or you're at just a massive, massive disadvantage nowadays. Let's get into lineup strategy a little bit. Obviously, we're not making picks for any particular week. We will do that on Fridays yes. on the Pat Mayo Experience, and you guys will be doing it all week at Ship It Nation, or you can run the Optimizer, run the Sims, and see see what the plays are this week. But from single entry to three max to 20 max to 150 max, if we just go on that spectrum, we can dial in a little bit more micro on a single entry, what the strategy is there, and the 150, what the strategy is there. But what is the biggest difference looking at it from afar of what should you be doing in 150 versus single entry? Because they're two, they have to be two separate strategies. Yeah. And that's where I said, I've evolved quite a bit to try and change my game a little bit for that. Because also uh, going back to, again, alleviating the FOMO and what everybody else is doing. If you just take a, a standard single entry, Pat, let's use the hundred dollar single entry. Everybody knows and loves in every sport, but for NFL, we're talking about, there is going to be a ton of people that just take their, whatever the optimizer spits out or the play, the best plays on it's like to, to hoops point previous to what your previous question was. You're, you're, I think it was a uh, Yoda cow. Who's one of the best in the world, if not the best and Levitan, he was on a pod with him and said, if you don't have projections going into Sunday, I and mean, that's for NBA mind you, but he said, just unregister. That's what I would do. His answer was like to the question hilarious, but it was like, I, I would just unregister because he was dead. He's saying in that sport. Now, NFL, a little bit different. You can make things work and correlation and leverage and all that, but in single entry versus the other Pat, so many people are just going to say, okay, I listened. I got those projections. You said, this says it's the best lineup. So what happens in the single entry is all the ownership from the ownership projections, which you should also have, now gets steamed up even further to bigger numbers, which then means certain players, and you and I talk about this on the Friday shows and use Run the Sims for this to see some of these plays will say, are, when we say they're over-owned or we're looking for leverage, it's we're looking for someone who is coming in at a lower ownership that projects to be in the optimal lineups more often. And the opposite of that being over-owned is when we say, okay, this guy's coming in at 30%, he, or 25%, he's probably pushing 30% plus in these single entries, he's going to be overrun because he doesn't just get more optimal specifically because of that. So you have to look at it from that perspective, but that can be a change in the game. So what ends up happening, Pat, in these single entries, I'm now looking to say, okay, the field's doing this. I can go against it with different players or stacks, which you and I talk about, but I also look at it from the, the system of like, okay, if they're, if everyone's paying up at running back this week, what does it look like if I pay down at running back? And maybe someone's just too good to overlook, but maybe my other two, maybe my, my other running back spot and my flex, I pay down for running backs to get me better receivers. When everyone's on the cheapies waiting for a wide receiver three to hit the, the nuts and you've got all wide receiver ones on these teams that are mid tier price or upper price. So in single entry, I'm, I'm alleviating the FOMO completely. I'm looking to get off what just all the best plays together are and maybe take some of those correlate them correctly and then find other stuff to go about it or a way to get different in that versus in 150 max you have way more opportunities to spread things out you can do things a little bit differently and get more access within those so an example i'll use from week one hoop is someone like michael wilson he's the min at receiver he's going to be starting for the arizona cardinals in a game where they're like seven point dogs 
Lord knows who's playing quarterback for them. I do not know that at this point. I don't think they know that at this point, still 10 days out from Sunday. But I could see throwing him into GPP mixes. Would I want to play that guy in a single entry? I mean, probably not. I think so. The cheap wide receivers are the easiest, kind of like the cheap golfers, honestly. The popular cheap PGA golfers are typically spots to avoid you know everyone if, if a, a on a hundred typical pga week full field event and a guy in the 6k range is going to be 20 percent, probably a good spot to to maybe look elsewhere same i think can be applied for cheap wide receivers on DraftKings because if these cheap wide receivers their ownership gets up there i mean a lot has to go right for them to really really hurt you um and you know, that's something that I look to because there's so many other guys. There's so many other cheap wide receivers at much lower ownership. So if in the single entry contest, if there's one single cheap wide receiver that is going to with probably a shitty quarterback, I'm assuming it's going to be a dirt ball throwing it to him. It's an easy spot to avoid if you're building one lineup. Now, one question or one question I get a lot, and I know I'm sure you guys do as well um in single entry contest people are like well man i really like this guy whoever it is christian mccaffrey but he's going to be 40 percent owned so i have to pivot elsewhere and i don't think that necessarily is the case like if you like somebody in single entry and they're going to be popular they have a stable role you don't need to avoid them but the rest of your lineup needs to look a little bit different than what the field's going to look like and tambo talks about it a lot where it's not who you play it's how you play them. So if you are going to have a popular guy or a couple popular po- popular guys in single entry, you need to build the rest of your team differently because every your your path to the top it just isn't there if so many people are on you know the the popular builds. Now in these single entry contests, you see it a lot. People will build one team, and I've done it in the past too, where I wasn't really playing GPPs. I take my main cash team and I just put it all in all the single entry stuff. Because, man, if that team is, you know, the really good cash team that week, I want a little extra money behind it. A lot of people do that as well. So they're not necessarily building teams that are built to get to the top of single entry uh, contests. So that's one advantage that people can have. If you are a true GPP player, you can build your team and, and be- beat a lot of the field like right out of the gate because a lot of teams in single entry are more cash builds opposed to GPP builds. But on the other side of that as well, if you like some popular plays, you don't necessarily have to just immediately hop off them because they're going to be popular, but you just need to be very cautious with what you do with the rest of of your team. But to answer your question about the cheap wide receivers, any cheap wide receiver that's going to be popular in single entry, I think you make a pivot elsewhere. Yeah, I think so too. And like it, but they're probably still in your pool, whatever it might be in the 150. Like if they're the popular cheap receiver is going to be 7%. You yeah. play 10% of them, not that big of a deal. Get over the field. Like yep. this in week one, it's going to be like Marvin Mims, Michael Wilson, maybe Zay Flowers is another one that's going to end up popping up. Just guys that, uh, Josh Downs, who might be starting for the Colts at 3100 bucks. Like guys that, we and week one is really the most pronounced you're probably going to see this. But if this crops up during the season, like all of a sudden, oh, you know, Jerry Judy comes back, it's week five, and all of a sudden he gets hurt. And then Marvin Mims is still the min price, and now he's a starting receiver on the Broncos. It's not the same as a cheap running back who's going to be the starter. Right. Because he's going to get touches. He's going to get volume. You have no idea where that target share is going. There's too many different variables in between. It could be a great play. 
obviously. But the bust rate on these cheap wide receivers is so much higher than the bust rate on these injury fill-in running backs who are going to get 15 touches. Like, they might not produce, but they're going to get their 15 touches. You don't know that Marvin Mims is just randomly going to get the 12 targets that Jerry Judy was going to see. He might get five, and therefore he's probably going to be useless in that situation. I did like um, what you said, Hoop, about making the pivots off a, let's say, chalkier, higher-owned player. And I think that's a lot different in in like giant GPPs versus small field GPPs versus three max single entry versus 150. And this is the example that I wanted to use. Um, You might say like, oh, like I need to completely go off the rails here if I have a really chalky team. But in single entry, I don't think it needs to be that complicated. Like here's an example. You have $6,500 left for a receiver in week one. And your team is kind of chalky. You're off the beaten path like a little bit, but you don't want to have exactly the same plays as someone. Chris Olave is going to be popular in week one at $6,500. Kelvin Ridley is not going to be super popular at $6,500, mainly because Chris Olave is the one getting all the ownership. Just play Ridley over Olave. Make it that easy. Yeah. Now your team's different. And I think that's fine. I mean, just, again, you can do that easily all the time, but I think there's more levels to it. Like, that's where I think people make mistakes or why I think people are like, oh, it was that easy. Like, they don't think of it. So, example, you said it earlier, but I'll use the even Arizona from last year, though. Greg Dortch. How many weeks did you and I talk about him to end the season? He's the cheap wide receiver. He makes perfect sense. But guess who kept, like, all of a sudden, Trey McBride would be in the lineup. He's, he's an Arizona tight end. And what made sense, Pat, is we know these cheap wide receiver receivers bust. You could still get a similar lineup idea where someone's going to get these targets, but tight end is a onesie position. You can only pick one tight end or two if you use the flex, but not many people are putting double tight end. Last year, mind you, it was a little bit more popular, but just to say this, you could still get a cheap Arizona guy. You just did it at tight end. It allowed you to then pay up in the Dorch spot. And then in the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, instead of Dorch, it was McBride. But everyone was on the same path. But many that were thinking ahead were looking for that layer and not just saying, I'm going to pivot to some random diamond in the rough. So back to your previous conversation, chalk versus unowned matters. In the $20 Millimaker, or any 150 max, and you want to get ahead of the field on this prospect, and you want to try him out, and he's unowned, maybe you don't have to put him in your single entry because there is other ways to go about it that you can just pivot and still be fine and go to those other layers. But if you want to get ahead of him, where is that going to make the biggest difference? Whether you're going to need the nuts, the optimal payout, the biggest money at the top, take your chance and pull the trigger there because it's not how it's not when you're right, it's how much you win when you are right. And that in that position, in that spot... That makes sense. For single entry, you're still like, eh. And I know some people say, well, I'll still take the chance in single entry. That's fine. And I understand that, too. It just, it seems, and I used to do it, too. Just play absolutely, like, goobers in my single entry lineup. Yeah. Like, try to jam in whoever. And I was like, I can make mistakes in my single entry lineup. Like, that's okay. I don't need the optimal lineup. But the point I was trying to get to is, I felt like I started doing a lot better when my pivot player off the beaten path play was someone who was good who was just in a bad spot. Like, I didn't need to use a $3,000 receiver. Maybe I'd use a $3,000 tight end because I wanted to save money, and mm-hmm. I love playing a cheap defense. I rarely ever pay up for defense that I don't necessarily need to play these guys. Well, I think, I think you did a much better job of that last year. You talked about yeah. your success, but me and you talking on the show through it, you're like, listen, I don't care what you say, Tambo, or I don't care what the public says. We'd even agree sometimes. You say, I'm not going away from this running back at $6,800. That's nuts. He's going to get 20 touches. There is an injury behind him. We will eat the chalk there, be cognizant of it, and go elsewhere. And that's where, again, talking about evolving your game, I think... um, our friend Leone over at ETR, he does a good job of that as well. Remember, he started winning the Thunderdome a bunch. He said he, like, he switched his game. He's like, people in the Thunderdome are just doing this. He's not picking bad plays or this sub- looking for some diamond in the rough to make things work. He's just 
flipping builds or changing. If, if everyone's doing this, I'll do this. You still see some of the top plays or the great plays in that lineup and you're in yourself as well when you're building them that way. And that's what I've sort of evolved to. You can still play those plays. It's like eating a good chalk pitcher in baseball. If they are just a good chalk, there was one last night that you know, no examples needed just to say you can get away with that. Just be cognizant of, okay, if now that I'm there, I can't do all of that the rest of my lineup if I am trying to get some sort of leverage built in, but it can flip the other way. Last thing, like Hoops Millie Maker winner last year, that week was the week, if you remember, Pat, it was week four, Detroit. I, I had the stack. I had Penny. I had Goof on the other side with Amon Ra. Like I just, right. I also loaded up that game. That was one of the weeks I won the 10K. So, and right, and that's true. So that's actually funny because what I was saying, and I talked about it on our course that we went through, the mistake that week was people like myself saying, okay, this is basically forcing me to play three Lions in cash. People are building cash teams with three Lions and not fully correlating it. Instead of just doing like what Hoop and yourself did and going all the way in and overstacking that and saying, look, if it's going to feed me all this, just let me take a few more helpings and build this thing right out. Instead of doing that, I was like, I got to limit it. I need two, two lions at most, or at most four people from this game. But in reality, when it ends up going off, you need six or seven guys from that game and it just breaks the slate entirely. So again, sometimes it's back to my, not who you play, it's how you play them. Well, I was looking to take them out. Others like Hoop and yourself were looking to add them in and end up having very profitable weeks because of that. Hoop, what do you do for defense every week? Do you build like a pool of six teams when making your team? If it's a three max, do you always use three separate ones or do you like to go all in on one or two? Yeah, so we had, we talked about in the education piece, um, you know, for 150 early on when, when I started getting into the 150 game and, and doing it weekly, like I would really hone in on certain defenses. Like, man, if this, like, I really like this defense, I want 30, 40% of this defense. They're in such a slam dunk spot. Then over time, you realize it's just such a highly the the variance at, at defense is just so so high that it doesn't make sense to do it that way. So I kind of pivoted to the I don't give a shit who I play at defense. Like just whatever I get, I get. Now I do make some some adjustments if it's you know the, the crappy defense going against the Chiefs and then I you know the optimizer is giving me thirty percent. Yeah, I don't want that. I obviously don't want that. So I'll make some manual adjustments, but I am not picky at all with who I play at defense. Now, even down to single entry or or three max, I think just the long-term profitable strategy at defense is just get the hell out of the position as cheap as possible. Like don't make adjustments to your core players or your main lineup to get a different defense. I just don't think it makes sense i don't think it's the profitable strategy long term and man you really kick yourself in the butt too like if you change your team to get to a certain defense and they put up a goose egg like you're just not going to be happy about that at the end of the day so you know just i would not make major adjustments to any of my teams to get to a different defense uh the week i won the million i think i ended up on the that that team ended up on the eagles and i only had like three, four, five percent of the Eagles in my 150. Just not a important position at all. Highly variant. And uh, I just don't think um, you you really need to spend a lot of time on it. Get out. If you're hand building, get out of the position as cheap as possible and move on. Yeah, I, I'm just going to look for crappy teams that have good pressure rates and D lines against a team that maybe has yeah. a crappy offensive line. Like looking at week one, Tennessee yep. has a good D line. The Saints offensive line is not the Saints offensive line of five years ago. It's kind of crappy. Hopefully that Tennessee can get up in that game by seven, force Derek Carr to pass, and boom, pressure's on. You get your yeah. turnovers. Hopefully he fumbles or throws a pick six, but just give me those opportunities. Like, I don't need to, like, yeah. I, I think people get confused at defense that, well, I need, I need to get a shutout 
Like, yeah, I don't give a shit with give up 30 points. Yeah, I don't very care. Unlikely just get turnovers. Yeah, that's right. Like that. That's yeah. all I'm really looking for in this circumstance. So let's talk about stacking a little bit. Hoop, do you want to talk people through stacking and how much stacking is too much stacking? Do you think? I think you can go both ways with it, honestly. And it obviously, you know, I won the million dollars on overstacking. So I'm, I'm naturally a proponent of overstacking now at this point. It was the Lions game and I had, yeah, six pieces. And a lot of times I don't necessarily do that. So I'll cover that side of it, the overstacking side of it. Does it make sense? Yeah, it can. Um, you obviously have to get the game right. You have to get the situation right. That week, for example, when I won, then you had the good week as well. There were injuries on the Lions side. They had a lot of cheap pieces. The game was projected to score a lot of points and the pieces were very, very cheap. So if you just went in, didn't change anything, ran an optimizer, you were going to get a lot of Lions players at that point. Now, naturally, because of correlation reasons, you're going to get Seahawks as well. Both teams coming into that game, really, really bad defenses. They're giving up a lot of a lot of points. So it's just a natural situation. Um, I typically don't allow this sort of situation to occur on my teams where I'm overstacking on a lot of teams. But for this week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to let it go and just see what happens. Obviously, it worked out very well. I think this is something you can do week to week overstack. I mean, what what needs to happen for you to win by overstacking? You need a game to go nuclear. I mean, you need the game to go off. That week, I think it was like 48 to 45. And that's what, like, I don't know, 90 points were scored in that game. So you're going to need a lot of pieces from that game in order um, you know, to, to make money that week in, in DFS. So I think overstacking is viable. Um, it's not going to hit every week. It's not going to hit a ton over the course of the season, but when it does hit, you're different from the field. Cause a lot of people are building teams where they're, I call it cookie cutter teams. A lot of uh, players are building teams, one quarterback, one or two pass catchers, and then a run back on the other side. Almost everyone that is in this professionally or, you know, trying to make money, that's how they're building their teams. But you see it so many times where that is not necessarily the winner is very few times actually last season where you, where you look at it, where there's cookie cutter teams, cookie cutter stacks, cookie cutter correlations were the winner. We saw a lot last season, uh, one quarterback, one wide receiver, no run back. Good example of a team that can get, get, get you in the winner circle with that is like the bills. Um, Josh Allen can run in a couple and then pass two to Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs, And they just blow a team out. 40 to 10 or something. You don't need a run back in that situation. You need just Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. So you have the overstack and then you have the understack. If you understack, one thing you need to look to do, and I believe Tambo brought it up earlier, is the secondary correlation. So let's say it is that Josh Allen to Gabe Davis team that you need. You need those two guys. They both went off Josh Allen, 40 fantasy points, Gabe Davis, 30. Well, you still have a lot of spots to fill within that lineup. So that's where the secondary stack becomes pretty popular. You got a wide receiver and a tight end in the same game, opposite teams. Maybe you're running back and defense is correlating. So the secondary stack to me at this point, if you're not doing the overstack, which again, you need to get lucky. You need a lot of things to go right. You need to be on the right game. So if you're looking to potentially understack, those secondary stacks become very important and you should always be looking to have a secondary stack if you're understacking. So if you have... Again, the Josh Allen Diggs thing, how can you get some secondary stacks? Running back, defense, those correlate together, same team. So if you like, if it's Christian McCaffrey, 
49ers defense, really strong correlation. If you're really high on a wide receiver for the Lions and they're playing the Seahawks that week, well, you know, make sure you get, uh, you know, St. Amon St. Brown, and then you get DK Metcalf or something on the other side. So if you understack, the secondary stacks become very, very important in those teams. If you overstack, obviously you need a lot to go right. And then those middle teams, you know, where you have the one wide, uh, one quarterback, maybe one or two wide receivers and a run back. I still think you want to have some sort of secondary stack in a lot of your teams. Easier to do, obviously, if you hand build, because you can make sure you have that. But in the optimizer, you can do it as well. It just takes a little more work. So a lot of different ways to go about it. But I would I would really advise people to, to not get away from the quarterback, one wide receiver or two wide receiver in the run back, but look at some other options. One quarterback, one wide receiver, no run back type teams. I saw, we saw that a lot last season because of these blowout uh, games where it's 40 to 10 and you don't necessarily need the run back. A lot of different ways you can go about it. Um, but, it, you know, it's important. The one thing I'll stress is definitely those secondary uh, stacks are, are very important regardless. Tambo, how do I know which games to target? Am I looking at point totals? Am I looking at weather? Do I just always take my chances on indoor games with all things being equal around a similar point total, knowing that you're probably not going to have any weather elements unless the roof leaks yeah. or something like that? Do I want to play uh, the, the 1 p.m. games because I can get a head start on my competition? I want to avoid the late games because, you know, I don't want to have to come from behind. Like, there's all different ways that people play this, but besides totals and point spreads is there anything else that you look at oh that's the thing right now so now it's become sort of all melded together into one thing where it's like okay the highest point total games end up having okay it's because they're in domes and then what happens is that relays to dfs where now these guys are oh these are mispriced because they're in the spot and that and now that becomes the spot to go to but you and i do a good job of this talking on the show like what does the obvious spot look like that week worked for hoop and for yourself, but just saying that week that did look like but, but the that, obvious spot. That wasn't the obvious. There was another game that week that everyone played. That game was the obvious spot that week. The optimizer was putting four guys from one side or three guys. So there's uh, there was other games, I'm sure, and that's why I'm saying people can find other options to go to. Like week like week one, for example, is going to be Miami Chargers. It has to be. It's the highest point total. It's indoors with guys that you know that people want to play. Right, and it's easy to it's stackable options. It's all that. So. What you have to go to then is that's like what we, you and I do on the show. We'll say, well, what other games could we target? But what I look for, too, is where do I see guys that are in this? Well, I think projections and that are so important. And you see it and using Run the Sims or getting leverage spots. Where you, okay, this guy is going to be in a good spot. So is this guy from the same game. Sometimes maybe it's just for the secondary stacks that Hoop was just talking about. But other times, Pat, you and I can go, well, if, he's, if he makes sense and he makes sense and nobody's really on that quarterback, but he's like number five on the list. That's like literally a perfect storm for something like we're talking about in whether you're putting together a portfolio of that in your 150 max where that becomes 25 of your your 150 that you're going at with this stack or this game, but also for your single entry where it makes sense. Those two wide receivers are opposite of each other. This quarterback for him that if he scores two touchdowns is going to make sense. That's a good starting point to get after. So again, leveraging tools, I think is where you find this. That's the best way to do it. But you and I will talk about it on the shows. It's not always just... This game has the highest total because of this. We see sometimes where that ends up being a defensive battle because the two teams, you know, we've seen it before a couple times like with Kansas City 
And Cincinnati, they've had their big blowout games, but they've also had games where it's actually a little tighter than you might think, and it doesn't end up breaking the slate, and all the options are expensive. So Burrow, Mahomes, Chase, Kelsey, that gets costly in your lineups. And if you don't get the explosion and the ceiling game from all of those, you've actually spent a lot of your salary in your DraftKings lineup and wasted it in that case, if that's how the game goes. And, and to merge those two ideas together, whether it be like people will target defenses during bad weather games, I don't like to do that. I think that's a terrible idea because you're yep. seeing fewer plays, you're seeing more running plays. And running plays just don't translate to defensive fantasy points. You want throwing, as much throwing as possible. Opportunities. You and I said, when you said that earlier, we do a good job. I do still select defenses, by the way, and you do too, where we say, what are five or six that we're targeting? Make that our pool. And we're still letting it fly after that, like maybe capping it at 20% and letting them fall in where they may. But we've also done a good job of targeting what is maybe not. And I fade the defense chalk a lot because to Hoop's point, it kind of could be anything. I'll still target six or seven teams to be my defenses, but I'm likely not on the chalk defense because it is so random. And also, Pat, you've said it before with opportunities. So-and-so backup quarterback, third string is it. Everyone's like, oh, grab the defense again against him. He's going to get crushed. Guess what? They don't give a shit what their third string quarterback can do. So they're going to make it very easy for him just to get checkdowns, handoffs, just get us through the game versus when it's like, oh, prospect number two or three is coming in. They're going to let him let it fly. And we're like, okay, now that is a better spot to target, even with some chalk there. So you may play it from that angle. Here's a prime example. Week one, the commanders are $2,800. They're going to be super highly owned against Arizona. Just facts Mm -hmm. on that one. Now, they could be the best defense of the week. I'm not going to deny that. Like, I get why they're going to be the most popular. But the Packers against Justin Fields are exactly the same price, yet no one is going to use them. Just use the Packers. Yeah. It's, it's fucking defense. It's, it is defense. <laughs> and it's like you said, that's the other thing is like people are thinking automatic shutout or automatic opportunities. If, you know, Washington comes through with eight to 10, you're probably pretty happy. That's solid. But if, again, you, if you're going all in on that, or if you're getting so, so overweight on that and it doesn't work out and you didn't have any other outs to the top or opportunities, there is going to be defenses that likely score 15 plus that will end up on those winning lineups at the top. Yeah. You could even drop, drop down and use the Rams at $2,700. I mean, they, I hear they still have Aaron Donald on their team. Yeah. Maybe Geno's not as good. The tight against New Orleans bad offensive line against a good defensive line 2600 bucks the Browns against Cincinnati is Burrow banged up like you can make these cases I mean the Packers against Chicago may be a bit of a different story because you want fields throwing the more fields can throw although he takes a ton of sacks Gosh. at the same time even on those designed runs that get credited he also just racks sacks. up 40 a week so it's like you know those that won't matter if you can get those opportunities yeah but, it's just but, crazy. Like, I, I, but like, honestly I don't care how many points my defense gives it doesn't out. matter if I gave up 60 points well I'm probably not going to win that week right. anyway because I definitely didn't stack the team against my defense that scored 60 points what's the old Jameis Winston one when he played for the Saints or whatever or it was the Bucks I can't remember what's what team he was on at that time it was the we, Bucks yeah. yeah we throw three touchdowns a game but also three INTs and two of them were for pick sixes yeah. it's like that that still racks up and you still need that defense even against your quarterback for that matter. Let's finish with this as a part of the strategy. And again, go to shipitnation.com code Mayo for more in depth on each of the positions. Like this is what we want to do as a general overview, because I do think that having the solid base of strategy is more important than making the picks right now, because you can make the best picks in the world and have no idea how to put them together and just lose every single week. So I want to end with expectations. You're probably not going to win is the first thing I'm going to throw out there is you can look at all the picks. It still takes an incredible amount of luck an incredible amount of discipline. And if you don't have, like if you have bad practices, like the weeks that I would make great picks, like I talked about, but I was just donking my money away in a $5 for 150 bucks or whatever. Like that's not great. I'm hurting my overall profit and trying to be sustainable every single week. Now, what do you think is a good expectation on a weekly basis. Like, you know, if I get wiped out the first four weeks, like return $0 off the 400 I put in, 
do I need to change my process? Because I mean, it's four weeks, a very small sample of maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Now it's showing me that probably I'm wrong. I need to change it up a little bit, but like, how do you approach that? Like, how do you know when you're right, when you're wrong, even when you don't win or you do win? Like, I'm sure you've won money with terrible picks before and you've lost money when you were probably right before. Yeah, it's because it's not about the picks. That's the key. Exactly that. We do all our picks and play shows, and I love them, and it's important, but we're also talking t- heavily about application, process, game theory, how we're using it against. In the end, what I'm saying is it doesn't come down to did you get the pick right as much as, like, in betting. You need to get the pick right. In DFS, it could be, like I said, how did you frame your lineup up? Where did you go and what others didn't? But I talk about it a lot in my course, and we've talked about it plenty, and this is what your expectation should be, is if you're not, you get out what you put in, you're going up against guys that I'm not even at the highest level of this. I just take this very seriously, but I'm reviewing for two to three hours on a Monday. I'm doing a review show that you can come watch for free this season. It's always been something I've done in the past, but I am putting a lot of time in going back so I can find out, Pat, is it the process? Was it bad contest selection? Did I just get unlucky? Is there things? And am I playing good? Because I know if I continue to play good, I'm going to be in more of those spots where I can have a chance to get lucky. And you only really need to do it one or two times a season. In NFL, one time. You got to get right one time in NFL and where you win all the money for the week and you're probably up for the season. If I win 150K, 200K, 300K, a million, something like that, I'm way, way up for what I'm playing. Five to 10K a week is 180 grand at stake on the season, but there's money coming back. The show That's with showdown slates and everything. I'm saying if I win 150K, I'm pretty much free rolling my season now and then go up from there. That's me. It's not the same for everybody, but if you win 10K, you're probably up. And now you're, you, again, but going back to then you're not just jamming it in because you want it. And to be happy you got that, continue to play. What if the 10K was when there was 50K up top and you got screwed over 40K from first to second by a last minute play? Well, you still won 10K. Trust the progress. You have a process. It's clearly good. You get, it's getting you in these places. But if you're not putting the time in, again, you're, not, you're just not going to get much out of it. Anybody who's watching this course is probably on the right path. That's where, like I said, at our course, it's four hours. We're not saying everyone's going to do that, but you do get the course for free. Use promo code Mayo, like you said, when you sign up. We go deep dive into all of these segments to give you more in-depth of just the baseline stuff that you need to get started. And then what are those layers that I've talked about and ideas and concepts that you can use to apply? But I'm putting everything into this, and that's what it's all about. And I think if you got to, you know, if you want to have that happen weekly, you have to be reviewing what happened from the week before. Hoop, how do you manage your expectations? And what do you see from people in the Discord, people who've been subs before? Like, what do you tell them should be their expectations? Like, well, I want a million dollars. You win a million dollars too. Like, that seems unreasonable. Yeah, I, I love the word expectation because I'm not a big quote person, but I saw this quote, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and I just love it. And it's expect nothing and you'll never be disappointed. So keep your expectations low, regardless of how confident you are. You could be, and you've said it a couple of times on the show, the weeks that you feel the most confident, I can attest to this as well, the weeks you get absolutely fucking dusted. Like you think you're on top of the world, you got everything spot on you've nailed the analysis all week you got the teams that are going to win i've had that feeling so many times in multiple dfs boards what does that turn into you end up playing for a little bit more money and then before you know at the end of the week it's like man i just got my ass kicked because i thought i was the man and i knew more than everyone it's just not simply not the case so important to keep your expectations in check like this is very hard it's not easy the number of people that are profitable doing this long term very, very low, very low number of people are profitable doing this long term. So it's always very important to keep your expectations in check. Don't expect to win every week. Don't expect to, to win half the weeks. I mean, it's it's very hard to do. Now, that kind of rolls into what you guys talked about, where 
you have to make your wins pay off. And by that, I mean, when you do get that win, and if you're grinding hard and you're putting the work in, using the right tools, yes, you you will have chances to win. When you do get that win, make it pay off. And, and what I mean by that is we've talked about it multiple times just on this show. If you are someone that plays for four or $500 a week, you win 10 grand, don't all of a sudden go play for three grand the next week or four grand the next week. Yes, I believe Tambo said it. Treat yourself a little bit. Yeah, play for a little bit more, but go from 400 to 600, not from 400 to 4,000. That money will disappear super quickly. You need to put yourself in a situation where your wins last, where your wins pay off. And then obviously this all comes back into you know bankroll management, how you handle those wins, what you do with it moving forward. But yeah, honestly though, the most important piece of advice is, is keep your expectations in, in check. Like don't expect to win. It's a hard game. It really is, but it needs to be fun. And the best way to keep it fun is to keep your finances in check. I absolutely agree. Like I like if I get wiped out, it sucks. Like yeah. no, no one's saying yeah. that losing is fun, but knowing that like, uh, like I'm in destitute now because I pressed too hard because I was feeling it this week and tripled my bankroll, then I would feel like absolute shit because I've been through that before and that sucks. Yeah. So being sustainable, I think makes it a bit more fun knowing that you have the, if you do lose, Hey, I'll come back next week. It's all right. I'll try to get my money back. If I lose that week, well, I'm still not out of money yet. I think the biggest thing is if you do get one of those big wins, just cash out right away. Then you can redeposit what you want. Yeah, definitely fine doing that. I think you got to relate it to things in real life too, though, Pat. You're a guy goes to the gym, in shape, all that. If you're dieting and it works for 30 days and you start to lose weight and you feel good, that's like your big win. You're like, I lost all this weight. You do, if you want to start going to McDonald's that week and Wendy's and adding all these places in all of a sudden, it's like, I did it, now I'm here, and you get to do it again, the weight's coming right back. In this case, the money's getting lost right back. That's not how it works. If you want to implement a cheat meal now, though, because you feel pretty good, you put 30 days in. And maybe at 60 days, like, oh, I can put a couple cheat meals in, or I can have a few of these drinks, or whatever it might be. I'm not a you know special trainer here. I'm just saying the obvious. Sometimes if you can relate it to things in real life and think of it that way, it can make it a little bit easier. It's so easy when it's magical money on an app where you're just clicking a button to say, oh, enter the 555 this week. Boom, it's one click of a button. The same if you enter the $5 or the $555. Think before you act. That's the, that's the thing I would say before you just try and enter it all in and get back in and try and win more. All right, we'll close this out with you guys before I bring on Justin Freeman to talk about the Run the Sims tools. We'll be doing the showdown show next week for the Thursday night football opening game, Lions and Chiefs, and runthesims.com will be free giving away free tools for that game. So if you just sign up for a free account, just an email, you can go check that out right now. Start simming your lineups, export them, get familiar with the tools. Then when you decide these tools rule, I want to pay for them, use code Mayo. Get yourself 10% off, okay? You can also use code Mayo at shipitnation.com. So what can we expect from shipitnation.com this year? Yeah, we got a lot going on. I think this is the easiest way to break it down. We talked all this show about certain bankrolls, people only having a certain amount of money. We know that. So that's what Hoop and I went out and set out to do with the site. It is very affordable. Right now, you can get in, use promo code Mayo. You get $59 a month. If you want to be in with us for the NFL season, we have what's called the Blast Off Bundle, 321, $321. Gets you six months, but you get everything else at the same time. A lot of sites out there have niche sports for $325 or $375. NFL is $399 for the package. Our site is everything included for the one low price. So NFL, MLB, NBA, PGA, MMA and NHL and just using something niche like MMA four weeks in a row hoop himself won last week the main tournament for 35,000 the two weeks or three weeks before that we had one of the, one member win 70,000 and 35,000 and then another guy win 25,000 it's not just about that though it's what did they do to get it and they won it by themselves 
Hoop ended up winning on week four, but the others did. We're giving people the stuff they need to have success. It's everything you need to have success with DFS. And the four-hour course, Ship It Nation Education, also comes free with the membership so you can get primed up. Don't just degen into another sport to play it. Learn about it first from people that play it professionally. Apply that, and it's only $59 a month. That works out to basically $10 per major sport we include. Hoop, just to kind of hammer back down on this as well, why the education part is so important, why I like doing this show every single year, is that what would you say your MMA knowledge is on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, Relatively low, and that's why we brought in two of the best in the industry to cover that for us, and they're doing a phenomenal job, Titletown and and Big Marley. Um, I was able to learn from those guys. I've followed titles of MMA content for years, recently started following uh, Marley's uh, content as well. And, you know, I know a little bit. I know like the the big name guys. I don't know these guys that are fighting in the first five fights or, or women fighting in the first five fights. I've never heard of them each week, but I've been able to turn that into a pretty successful MMA season just from following the advice from from title and uh, and big Marley. So, you know, it's it's you know, been, been a phenomenal run. Um, like Tambo said, just to kind of add on, you know, we wanted an all encompassing DFS product that focuses on what we know we're good at. We're not just going to throw out a, a product or a sport just to put it out there because people want, it. if we're not in it, if we're not experts in it or bringing on an expert that, that covers it, we're just not going to do it. Our product though, is the cheapest all in, in the industry in terms of NFL, you're going to get, you know, picks and plays, but also tools, projections, ownership. We're going to have the shows. We have our Discord, which is booming. Very friendly environment. A lot of very successful, like-minded people in there. And the price, you know, is, is as Tambo says, the, the price is so nice. Or he says something price else. so nice, yeah, you won't think twice. He's, he's working on the there mail. Is, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. around mail all the time. So I get the mail magic on the wordplay. Oh. But that's yeah. the key. You got you got to um, get over there, check one, it out. It's definitely but, worth it. But what I wanted yeah. to ask you, though, is like your knowledge of how to actually play DraftKings lineups regardless of the sport, you have that base. You've learned what correlates, how to build lineups, Mm -hmm. how to get leverage. If someone is just giving you projections, you can mold those projections into proper lineups once you know what you're doing, right? Because that's what I wanted to do with this show. Yes, and that's why we said the course is the off piece of that because even though the course is the NFL edition, the entire introduction and the process portion can be applied to any sport. A lot of the roster construction segment, not who you play, it's how you play them. Cash versus GPP, game theory, correlation, leverage. That's not just for NFL. We tied it to that because that's the most popular sport and upcoming, but you can apply this to a lot of other sports. That's why you see me, Pat. Like, how do you win at NASCAR? How do you win at, like, how do you win at this other sport? Like, what, you're just playing this randomly now? Now you're doing baseball? You're at the NBA Live Final? What happened? I'm, apply- I'm playing DFS. That's why I'm saying it's not always about the picks and plays, not who you play, it's how you play them. You have to know the game of DFS, and that's what this course is about. That's what our site is all about, and especially the Discord, to Hoop's point. All right, Tambo, Hoop, hope you guys learned a lot from them. I know I did. Tambo and I will be back every single Friday on Mayo Media Network and the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, making our picks and going through the strategy, talking it all through for each of the NFL slates this season. If you want $500 to do that, get yourself in the draw. Subscribe to the Mayo Media Network on YouTube. That one's a given, but even if you've done it before, you can get yourself back in the draw. Subscribe, rate, review, five stars, make up something nice, even if you hate the show. 
and leave your Twitter handle or email in the review for the audio podcast. And in the week two DraftKings show, we'll be giving away $500. We get 100 new reviews. Boom, there's another $500 in the draw. So go out and do it. We'll help the community that way. Give some money back. But stay tuned because I got Justin Freeman from RunTheSims.com coming up to talk you through how to use these tools to best leverage yourself for the DraftKings season. Justin Freeman from RunTheSims.com is joining me right now. There are new tools, and we're going to talk about why tools is something you need for NFL DFS. I'm also, if you've already watched it, I've done a show with Tambo and Hoop about the strategy behind it, but like, how do you make your picks? What tools are important to construct your lineups to help you try to win money? And Justin, you've built the tools, anything you need over at Run the Sims, right? I don't know about that, but we are coming a long ways. We've made a lot of progress since we put this thing together two years ago, Pat. This is our third NFL season uh, coming up this year, and tools get a little bit better every year, a little bit sharper behind the curtain, uh, a little easier user experience on the front end. So uh, everybody seems to be pretty happy with the direction we're heading in, and uh, I'm one of those folks. Yeah, of course. Code Mayo gets you 10% off at runthesims.com in case you were wondering. But let's jump into the tools right now because I want to kind of show them off and how to use them, like the standard optimizer. You have the projection system. You have the range finder player by player. Then you have the super new tool that's coming up this season as well. So let's walk it through. Like baseline, I want to make some lineups this week. What do I do, Justin? Yeah, well, I think like the the first thing to keep in mind is showdown versus classic slates. I mean, those are really the, the two cream of the crop DFS formats, and, and we can kind of focus on using some of the examples this upcoming week one. Uh, obviously, rosters are currently in flux. Everything's sort of subject to change here for now. So we won't dig in too deep on the projections. They would talk about those next week. But uh, yeah, overall, like we've created this tool called the RTS Sim Runner. And this is a pretty neat thing where it gives you control over uh, customizable inputs for every player on every team, really every data point uh, that, that you could possibly imagine. And then we run simulations play by play through every game 10,000 times, uh, or at least that used to be the case. And now we've ratcheted up that computing ability by quite a bit. So now even on our showdown slates, that number is more like 50,000 times that you'll have access to. And essentially what we're going to do is find the best possible uh, lineups that we can give to you. And uh, the showdown is one of those games where obviously uh, we want to play large field showdown contests. They're extraordinarily top-heavy. If you're not first, you're last, truly, when it comes to showdown. Uh, we want to find ways that we can reduce our duplicates. Um, but overall, we want to make high-quality lineups. And so we've made that, hopefully, as easy as possible, like literally a click of the button away. So you just click Run the Sims, and then all of a sudden, you're going to get a screen that looks a lot like this, uh, which is custom lineups based on the inputs of your simulations. And so in this case, we ran 50,000 lineups. And you see that the top line up here on the board appeared 166 times. And uh, we, we can kind of look through and get some data points about this particular lineup. Obviously, uh, you know, injury flags across the board, but like say Kadarius Tony, who's a, a little bit iffy for week one, we'll get some more information next week. But you can kind of see here, like how many projected points does this lineup score? What's the ownership for this lineup looking like? Is it highly owned low, or, or low owned? Uh, what does that mean in terms of predicted duplication? So like this lineup, you know, pops 166 times out of 50,000, but it's going to be duped by quite a bit. Uh, so is that enough to offset? So 
we've given you quite a bit of information to be able to build showdown lineups really like easily with the click of a button. You just click download CSV and you toss them right into DraftKings. It, it couldn't be much easier than that. Uh, we also then offer the ability for uh, players to go in and, and get the types of lineups we want. We have this new advanced filters screen that I'm pretty excited about where you can kind of create your own custom rules in terms of what you're expecting uh, for, for how you want to approach this particular slate. Like if you want to uh, get rid of all the quarterback captain lineups, you can do that right here by just saying, do not allow quarterback captain. Or if you want to make, yeah, make sure that every lineup contains two running backs from the same team because you think that's how you're going to get different. You can require that as a rule right there. So there's a lot of ways that you can take this lineup, uh, these sets of lineups, and make them look like ones that you're interested in playing. So we are going to break down the Thursday night football showdown contest, me and you, um, sometime next week. And I should let people know at runthesims.com right now, if you make a free account, just an email, you will have the showdown Thursday night football opening game tools available to you. You do not have to pay for that one. So, you know, trial by error. You go in. Test it out. See if you like runthesims.com enough to go do it. Uh, and those tools will be available for you right now. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, I highly recommend that you go switch to the video version up on the Mayo Media Network YouTube page so you can see all of this on the screen as sort of a walkthrough. But we'll cover more showdown strategy in depth a little bit more on that show. Let's switch over to the classic slate and the tools that we can use for that when constructing our lineups. I talked a lot with Tambo and Hoop about how I'm kind of out of the business of playing 50 lineups, 150 lineups. I'm just going to try to make like five really good lineups a week, maybe three, playing some three max, some single entries. That's where I had all of my success last year and the year before. So that's what I want to do. So when I'm researching everything, that doesn't mean I don't want to optimize lineups and see what comes through them. What's the best way to walk through this, especially if I have particular takes on games and I want to adjust things? Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's really two different ways that you could uh, possibly create classic slate lineups, uh, you know, say for the DraftKings main slate uh, at Run the Sims. The first I'll go through here is the, the Sim Runner. So uh, not only can Sim Runner do showdown lineups, it can also do classic slate lineups. And Sim Runner allows you to be able to create your own custom projections sort of on the fly. And you'll see uh, the default values that we have here. We've got every game sort of loaded across the top. We can dive into any one of these if we have a particular take. Um, you know, one conversation that people are having right now is uh, possibly around the backfield in Chicago. So why don't we just like click into this Green Bay Chicago game and you'll see that we can amend all of these different values for all the players for Green Bay and scroll down and do the same thing uh, for Chicago. And so like I tend to believe that Khalil Herbert is the number one running back in this particular offense, but would it surprise anyone if Roshan Johnson or Deontay Foreman walked away with the lead? Uh, it wouldn't for me. So uh, maybe in this particular case, you think that Khalil Herbert's a little bit more of a backup. He's more in the 15% rushing market share and Roshan Johnson's actually the lead back 37% market share. And then we could adjust our touchdown numbers across the board as well there. Um, I'll just make that kind of 15 and 28 and flop those um, there as well. So now we've created a situation where at least rushing wise, Rashawn Johnson is the guy we uh, think is going to do well. And uh, basically all we would have to do is re-click our button up here to run the Sims. And then we will get fresh lineups that would reflect that. And, you know, when you get to, once you click run the Sims button, 
you'll get a, a screen that looks a lot like this. It's basically a summary of every player in the player pool compared to how often uh, what their sort of projected ownership looks like and how optimal they are in your lineup. So you can make uh, decisions sort of on an individual basis and say, well, uh, it looks like Justin Jefferson may be a smidge over-owned. Maybe he's not a guy I want to play. Javante Williams showing a little bit of value there. Maybe he's a guy I want to force in. So if you're hand-building, that's a great tool for you. Or you can just go straight to the custom lineup screen and be able to view all the lineups that were created. And you can kind of see here, here's a lineup with, with Trevor Lawrence in it. Uh, it's a naked Trevor Lawrence lineup, and it's got a bunch of Broncos. And so it's, it's sort of sorted here currently by projected points, and those those Broncos are all looking like values. And so you can go in and screen through and filter through those lineups and sort of see what populates towards the top. And we can talk through some strategies a little bit later about how to really dig in and get the types of lineups you want to out of SimRunner. But uh, that's one of the two different ways that you can make the lineups, and the other is the classic opt-ins. Yeah, so the, the thing I really like about this screen, too, if you just click over to your projections, I like to go in and kind of fudge around with everything. And this is how I started creating my rankings last year, which were far more accurate for like the first time ever, that you can go in player by player and make these adjustments of whatever you want. And then whether it's for season long, whether it's for player props, whatever it might be, I can run all these simulations on the games to try to get... You know, like if I think this is going to be the outcome of the game and or at least this is going to be the most average outcome of what's going to happen. And I think that like you just mentioned, like Roshan Johnson over Khalil Herbert, if that's something that I believe in, I don't, by the way, just for the record, that I can go in and now look at the projections of those players to see what it spits out for me. I find that just to be a very valuable tool to get an assessment for the week. And even like when you can go player by player. And I think one of the examples that I used with Tambo and hoop is that in week one, everyone's going to use Chris Olave. Calvin Ridley is essentially the, is exactly the same price, but at far more depressed ownership that if I can go in and look at the player projections for each of them, or even use the range finder of how many times Ridley is going to outscore Olave, that maybe that's just a pivot I'll blindly make uh, because their projection actually turns out to be quite similar or potentially hugely off but i can go do all that research myself now exactly right yeah and so that's what i love about these tools is that it, it's it can give you an answer to the test if that's really what you want but more than anything it will help you identify sort of where the strengths and weaknesses lie with any player or with any lineup and being able to isolate sort of where those fragile situations exist and sort of what yeah sort of how that sausage is made and being able to look behind the curtain, I think, is extremely helpful to to build the right types of lineups, especially if you are a hand builder. I, I, like, I don't think this is a tool just for 150 max type players. I think you're getting a lot of data points here to help you make that like subjectively objective decision, even when you're building by hand. Can you bring up the range finder for a second? Because I love using this tool to help me make my decisions because I can see the downside. I can see the upside and I can just very easily go player by player or two player by two player, whatever it might be. Uh, let's yeah, let's, let's see. Can you bring up Ridley versus Olave week one? Okay. So now we can take a look at, I mean, it doesn't really matter what the betting line is here, but this is a great tool for props at the same time that if you want to punch in whatever the prop is for the weekend and whatever stat, I mean, obviously you're not going to find a lot of places to bet on DraftKings fantasy points, but if you want to put in receiving yards or receptions, you can really see the range of outcomes. So a median projection for Calvin Ridley is going to be 12.9%. And that's, I mean, I'm just looking at like even the graph for 25 points. Like it's not that long. Like, 
that's within the range of outcomes. So can you put in uh, Chris Olave as well? So 54 receiving yards for Calvin Ridley. That does seem a bit low. I'm guessing Olave's is going to be like 65, something like that. Would that sound right? Wow, 78, 78. for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm bullish there on Olave. And I think part of that is, you know, just to talk a little football for a second, um, that Olave is is really locked into a role that we know is like super, super legit with not a ton of other options existing in that offense. Whereas the Jags, like it, it's so feasible for a player to just go missing for an extended period of time when you have three pretty good receivers and a tight end and, and a running back who catches a lot of passes as well. So we've went through the general tools that you can do use, be it with the prop market, your DraftKings lineups for both showdown and in the classic slates. And we'll have every single slate up there as well. If there's a two-game slate, a four-game slate, you'll be able to generate your lineups. And you want to play the late-only slates, you'll have those available on runthesims.com. But you have created a new tool this year. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, but it is a separate product from the... Like, it, it costs more money to use this product, Right. Yeah, it does. And so uh, we'll be rolling out pricing on that here in the next couple of days. We'll likely launch it uh, Monday of game, game week. Uh, and so you'll be able to opt in there. But this is an, an, excuse me, who can talk an additional add on uh, product called SimRunner Pro. And so I'm excited to kind of go behind the curtain to show you what you see there. And essentially, let me just sort of explain what's happening here. We take those, you know, in this particular case, we ran 50,000. Uh, simulations of a showdown slate, uh, Lions at Chiefs. And we got 50,000 lineups that could have won a DraftKings contest. Of course, several of them were duplicated, and that's information we use to sort of help us out. And so what we do with SimRunner Pro is we say, hey, what if the lineups that we just created just so happened to represent the field that we were playing in? Now, let's like create a Royal Rumble of sorts between all of those lineups and see which ones would have made more money over the course of another thousand simulations. And so we take all those lineups and like throw them in the ring together and just figure out after each lineup or excuse me, after each simulation, how much money did they make in a GPP? And then so we're returning each lineup with a positive or negative EV value associated with it. So let's just talk about this top lineup on the screen, it's a Patrick Mahomes lineup with his kicker, with three pass catchers, and Khalif Raymond, the only lion. And you see the, the salary is $47,300. It obviously is a super high floor lineup. It contains Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, which is going to be super popular and with Mahomes and the captain. And it's just like a traditionally well-built lineup. It's got quarterback captain with three pass catchers. Um, but like the fact that it's a 5-1 build, meaning five chiefs and one lion, the fact that it does leave $2,700 on the table, it gives us some clues about what we're going to expect with how many duplicates um, are expected in that particular contest. And this actually ends up being a super profitable lineup. You know, there are some dupes and that's okay because the sort of floor on this lineup is so strong. It finishes in the top 0.1% eight times more often than it should. It's, it finishes in the top 0.1%. Uh, almost a full 1% of the time, 0.8%. It finishes in the top 1%, 2.6% of the time, and it cashes in the money. ITM uh, means it cashes about 41% of the time, which is fantastic, yeah, which means it's got a lot of outs to being profitable. It can be out on sort of like the min cash side, 
or it can give you an out in terms of actually winning the whole dang thing, which is super helpful and swings the EV quite a lot. So that's kind of a sort of an understanding of what you'll get with this particular product is like a true EV for if these lineups all happen to be playing each other in the same context. Listen, I want to sit here and sell this to everyone in the world saying like, you need this, but everyone doesn't need this tool, right? This is a very high level product for people that are playing a lot of volume in a lot of lineups. Like, would this help me if I'm playing one, one entry into a hundred dollar contest? Yes, exactly right. Like this is not a tool for everyone. This is uh, a tool akin to what you'll see professional DFS players using behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, theirs will be have a little less interface on top of it. Usually, usually they're running that in like a Python script or something like this. But the guys who are tied to their keyboards on Sunday mornings, this is the type of stuff that they're using. And so, yeah, it's good. This product is naturally going to price out a lot of people, and that's fine. I will say you do not need this tool, uh, especially this add-on, to win. Like you can still win the old-fashioned way. In fact, most people still will. This is just an additional tool for folks who are grinding a bit more seriously and maybe have a, a aspirational goals of of you know sort of approaching this from more of a professional or semi-professional uh, type of lens. And so I think the price point you'll see will reflect that. And when you have the buttons up top, like payout structure and plus EV players, what is what really goes into that? Like I can, I, I, I like this idea of like, because I even talked about like, I don't like playing in tournaments with 50,000 plus people. I like playing in like the thousand entrants. I, I think that's a great tool to have here that can really help me out as well. Exactly. And so, I mean, all of these tools are designed for GPPs. There's not a lot of cash tools uh, here for you, but Essentially, you get to choose a payout structure that looks more similar to the contest that you're playing in. So if you're playing in the red zone, for example, um, that has a, a pretty flat payout structure. In other words, like first place, the difference between first place and 10th place isn't gigantic like the millimaker or something like that is. Um, you can sort of choose a field size that matches what you're looking for. And so you'll see that the uh, the sort of top heavy tiered down nature uh, is is less dramatic um, between say like that top 0.1% and even this sort of second 0.2% type outcomes. Um, so yeah, you can sort of match this up with the type of contest you're interested in playing because sometimes like if you're in a pretty flat payout structure, you don't need to go like super off the board. Like we want the lineups that do have a good high floor, but also have a really direct path towards winning. So it just helps you to get a, a balance, uh, sort of a balance there. Uh, when it comes to advanced settings, like we have, we have these pretty locked in at this point and just sort of gives you a, a taste of some of the things that we're looking at adding here throughout the course of the season. We're basically, uh, I mentioned that all of the lineups that we create are pitted against one another, uh, but we will eventually offer an option that allows you to match sort of the expected ownership of a particular contest. And so there's lots of different uh, advanced settings that we'll get into later. And again, like if, if you're listening to this and you're like, what? I don't even know what any of these words mean, uh, then it's probably not the product for you. Like I said, this is for a, a sort of a more really intense uh, type of DFS player. And then uh, the plus EV players list gives you a, if you're sort of looking at hand building, this is about a, as clear of a way as you could possibly look at it where you say like, most players are going to be minus EV because they have to at least overcome a rake in order to be plus EV. And so we really only have, what, maybe a, a dozen players there on this list 
that look like they are still positive EV. And so it helps return an EV calculation on every player on the slate, which is super helpful. And uh, even on the classic slates, that helps you dig in and, and identify um, you know, who are key players that we want to be able to, to build it. Okay. So we're going to dig in more to the Thursday night football game, Detroit and Kansas city on the pick show for that. And we'll try to use some of these simulations to help create a lineup. But I just want to say thanks for doing all of these fantastic tools. And I think that like, you know, the market was getting very competitive and I think that the run the Sims tools not only offer what other people are offering, but way more now as well. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, we, I think we have something for for every price point for type of player. We we've got a lot of stuff that's still free on our site. Uh, a lot of ways that you can gain a lot of edges with like literally no cost. And then we have a lot of products as well that are like right in that sweet spot of where we think it's competitive. And then we've added this on top too for that really serious type of player. So I, I think we do have something for everyone. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone will come join us this year. Um, there, there's lots of great ways to get involved. We've got a Discord that's uh, that loves to kind of talk through the plays of the week, identify those prop bets and, and that sort of thing. That's no cost as well. So hop on in there, guys. All right, runthesims.com. You can use code Mayo right now to go get yourself 10% off. The showdown tools will be free for the Thursday night football game to open the season. Then they go behind the paywall. So if you do want to test them out, go to runthesims.com right now and create a free account. Thanks to Justin for being on the show. You can follow him at Justin Freeman 18 on Twitter and get into that Discord. Lots happening on the Run the Sims Discord. Uh, at least it has been. It was, it was pretty spicy during spring football season too this year. Can't imagine the kind of hype it's going to have for this NFL season. So come join the community at runthesims.com. Code Mayo. All right, smash the like while you're here. Sub to the channel. And that will do it for us. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.